0: Chapter 11 of the Garden God A Tale of Two Boys by Forrest Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 11 Day followed day. Brocklehurst had been buried in the village churchyard. His father and one of his brothers, all of his family who had come over were returned home again. The blinds were drawn up. The quiet flow of life, so harshly and unexpectedly interrupted, had dropped back into its accustomed channel. Only for one boy, a light had gone out forever from the sky. A glory and a beauty, as he had known them once, had vanished from the world. All day long he tried to be alone, tried to avoid his father, and whenever an opportunity presented itself he would escape to his own room, or to some solitary place out of doors. It was almost as if he were afraid of human companionship, afraid of the sound of his own voice, and a curious unwillingness to mention Harold's name or to allude to him in any way whatever, seemed to have taken possession of him, though he spent daily a longer and longer time at the boy's grave, remaining there for hours, until his father, who knew of these visits, grew anxious for his health, and wished to take him away from home, offered to take him abroad, France, Italy, Greece, anywhere he liked, But Graham pleaded so desperately to be allowed to stay where he was, that Mr. Ittisley had not the heart to refuse him. Feared, indeed, that in his present state of mind it might do him more harm than good. Little wonder that the boy's health began to give way, that he looked so pale and tired. The holidays were now almost over, BUT AS YET NOTHING HAD BEEN SAID ABOUT HIS GOING BACK TO SCHOOL, THOUGH GRAHAM HIMSELF LIVED IN SECRET DREAD OF WHAT HE KNEW COULD NOT BE PUT OFF FOR MUCH LONGER. HOW, ON THE OTHER HAND, COULD HE POSSIBLY RESUME THE OLD LIFE? THE THOUGHT OF WHAT HAD BEEN AND NEVER WOULD BE AGAIN, THAT HE FELT HE SHOULD NOT BE ABLE TO BEAR the dreariness the loneliness the hopelessness doubtless when he had first gone to school he had also been alone but the difference the difference now would be incalculable there were days in truth when it almost seemed to him that it would have been better if he had never been given his happiness since so soon it was to be snatched from him And even though, deep in his heart, he knew he would not forget it if he could. There were days when he thought it would be well if all the past could be effaced from his mind, rubbed out as figures are rubbed from a child's slate. One afternoon, he was sitting with his father in the library. It had been raining for the greater part of the day, and a fine drizzle was still falling, though the sky was beginning to clear. It had been raining, and the soft sound of the rain, the soft, dripping sound, and the sight of the blurred landscape, had somehow a soothing effect upon him. On his knee he held an open book, over which his head was bent closely—a lassitude, mental and physical, was visible in his every little movement, even in the way he sat. And between his eyes and the printed page he looked at there floated a dead boy's face. A physical weakness weighed heavily upon him, a kind of stagnation of the very sources of his life, the vital elements. "'sapping all power to rise above a certain fixed and gloomy train of thought. "'It was as if some spring within him had been choked, dried up. "'It was finished, finished, finished.' "'The word repeated itself wearily in his mind, "'like the monotonous beating of a metronome. "'He felt hot and feverish, and there was a dull pain in the back of his head.' It was almost as if he were sickening for something. Tired out, for his sleep of late was become very restless and broken. Presently he fell into a kind of doze, from which he awakened, a few minutes later, to find his father gazing anxiously at him, and with sudden contrition he saw how selfish he had been in giving way thus to his grief. "'Are you very tired?' Mr. Ittisley asked gently. "'Come over here and sit by me.' He drew his son to him as he spoke, and Graham sat down on a stool at his feet. "'What were you doing all this morning? Were you in the cemetery?' Graham nodded. Mr. Ittisley laid his hand on the boy's head. You go there so often, he expostulated. It is not good for you, Graham. What do you think about when you go there all alone? What do you go there for? Graham hesitated. He clasped his hands about his knees while he sat gazing out the window. The rain had ceased, and a pale sun was beginning to peep out between the heavy clouds. For some moments he did not answer his father. The familiarity of everything about him was borne into his mind. How often he and his father had just sat, just as they were sitting now, in this very room. It seemed to him that his life had been moving in a circle, and that he was beginning to return on a path he already knew. For a little, the wings of some great spirit had drooped softly about his head. Too like the lightning, his eyes filled, and he bent down to hide his face. What is the matter? Mr. Ittisley asked, but still without giving any reply. Tell me, Graham, are you thinking about Harold. Do you wonder I never speak of him? Is it too near? But your silence makes you brood over it all the more. (sighs) I cannot help thinking of him," Graham whispered. He gave me his life. He rose from his stool, and, walking to the window, pressed his forehead against the cold glass. The rain was still dripping from the trees, and there was a damp smell in the air. But the sky was clearing, and the sun was growing stronger and stronger. Presently, and without further word, the boy left the room. End of chapter 11